When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Welcome into a brand new edition of the Winning Plays Podcast. Uh, the first podcast we are recording here since Gordon Hayward elected to leave Boston and head down to Charlotte for a four-year, $120 million deal. Uh, my name is Brian Robb, though. Rich and Mike Pina will be back with me later this week. Uh, so stay tuned for their full reaction then. But for this emergency pod, we're bringing in two more of the big guns. Ryan Bernadoni has been with most of the offseason. And Brandon Jackson of Celtics Hub joins us for reaction to a pretty eventful weekend for the Boston Celtics. Uh, Hayward taking his ball and heading down to Charlotte. The Celtics probably not getting anything meaningful for him. Um, that's still unsettled whether there'll be a sign and trade or not with Charlotte, but uh, they are left with uh, some freedom leftovers in Tristan Thompson and Jeff Teague. We're going to get to those guys later, but the story here, gentlemen, is the Hayward situation, which I think to to accurately analyze this situation, Ryan, I think we have to start with the, the what's going to last week, pre-draft, the opt-in deadline, that getting moved to Thursday, um, Hayward opting out anyway, What's your read on like just how this situation was managed and you know how the how the dominoes fell and are or and how badly the dominoes fell I should say for the Celtics here? Yeah, I mean I can roll back <laughs> earlier than that. Obviously, you know you know my position. Yeah, we'll go. We'll, we should have moved earlier, but we can, we'll cover that <laughs> another on another one. We're, we're obviously uh, no, we'll cover it. We'll cover it later yeah. in this podcast because it's it's worth talking about yeah. too. So there's a, a maybe a bigger story there. I think that they sort of mismanaged the offseason to this point. Um, and it's easy to say that looking back and maybe they had irons in the fire that were really worth keeping and um, and that, you know, they knew there was some amount of risk that they were taking, but that the payoff was, you know, was potentially substantial enough that it was worth doing. But it seems pretty clear to me that uh, they should have just held the line on the original option date. It's hard to imagine what the situation was where he was going to opt in and come back to the Celtics under any circumstance after they, they delayed the option. Like if he was going to opt in and come back, then he would have already done it. If he was opting in to get traded, okay, that's fine, but he could opt out and then get signed and traded. Like the the window or the, the sort of world of possibilities where it was necessary to move that that deadline back uh, was always pretty small. And to me, they should have just basically held the line and said, like, if you're going to leave, then then tell us now and, and leave and so that the team could move on. So that maybe it had no impact on the draft. It probably had no impact on the draft. I mean, they drafted a wing anyway, whatever. But um they may have made other decisions on draft night or been offered other possibilities from teams. You don't really know. But then the bigger thing is that they would have been ready on, on, you know, day one of free agency to move. And they use their, their mid-level exception to, to get Tristan Thompson. It may have been a, a you know, better thing to move and try to get a wing uh, with that money while the, while it was open uh, and why there were, while there were players available by the time all the decisions came down and, and it became clear that he was going to Charlotte, it was just kind of, you know, there weren't many wing options to begin with and it was too late. So I think that, that they seem to be trying to hold out hope for something that ultimately was pretty hopeless. If, you know, if it was just money that, it, that everything came down to and they weren't going to be willing to offer it. So um, yeah, I think it's bad. I think it's a bad <laughs> look. I think it's a bad process. I think there it's been just sort of another in a, in a string of questionable decisions um, after uh, you know, some others in the, in the past couple of years, but uh that's sort of where I land is that obviously again, in retrospect, it's, it's easy to say this, but they should have just held the line and told him to make his decision before the draft and then, and then known where they were and moved on accordingly. So Brian, do you, do you feel like, do you feel like they did that because they didn't think he would go to Charlotte? Like they, they, cause they thought that Indiana was the ultimate end game for him or what else do you kind of, how else do you read into that situation? Like in terms of how they try to manage this weekend and that deadline? Is that to me? Yeah, that's you, Jackson. Oh, my bad, my bad. Well, that's why, like, that's what I don't get. Like, I was trying to figure out if he, if they extended it to Thursday, like, 
were they still thinking that there was a chance that they might do an extension? Were they like really, really trying to hope like, okay, we'll give you this, you know, we'll give you a couple more days to think about it. We'll tell you that this is not predicated on the draft, right? Like whatever your decision is, like our draft is independent. We're telling you in good faith that we're not going to use any picks or, you know, combine you or if you opt in, opt out, whatever. We're we're just going to draft best player available or do whatever side deals independent of you. So, you know, cause we want you here. And then he opts out anyway. That's, that's what I don't understand. Like, was he going to, like, was there ever a chance for him to opt, opt out and return for like a KG deal, you know? But if I that mean, was the case, he could have just opted out anyway, right? Like that's not a case. For, there wasn't really a case for him opting in and extending. So what unless, is it? What unless is the they were quibbling they on terms though, right? Like but they could still, he could opt out and then just resign as a free agent. Like there's no, what is the situation where he would have opted in other than they were working on some sort of trade where he needed to still be on his contract and get traded? And maybe that's an opt-in and then get extended and traded or something like that, where if Indiana had preferred to front load the deal, something like that. But like, this is all stuff that you're doing primarily to benefit other teams. It's something that, that B-Rob, you know, you and, and Rich and I talked about in the last pod is like the things that were being offered from Indiana, the, the hypotheticals don't seem to have been good enough to like put other things at risk like if what you were were hoping to get out of it was miles turner for 18 million dollars a year when you can go and get tristan thompson for nine million dollars a year like what exactly unless they were legitimately thought that they were like if he opts in we can trade him and then get tj warren and i don't even think warren is that good though no but he's better than what they have what the other options available are at least i mean maybe you can make the case i just it's very hard for me to see what the situation is for it was like it was worth putting everything else on hold. What was the end game that was like best case reasonable scenario that was worth holding everything else? And like, I just, I don't know what it is. I mean, I think to your point, Ryan, to me, it's a, they thought there was a small chance he'd come back and they wanted to like keep that possibility open. Like whether that's the case or not, I think it's pretty clear that that was never going to happen. Or B, you know, making the bet or, you know, calling Hayward's bluff that, hey, you only want to go to Indy. You're not going to go to Charlotte. You're not going to go to New York. Like, you're not going to get enough money to get down there. And so when Ainge kept, you know, standing, you know, playing the game of chicken there till the very end with Indiana in terms of saying, we don't want Miles Turner. We want something useful, whether it's Aaron Holiday, just some some kind of a win and a deal in a sign-and-trade, and we're not going to give up there. I think the – Maybe in that situation, you're like, okay, if the Pacers aren't going to give in, and Hayward might just sign back here for like a two-year deal with a player option, and then go to Indiana next offseason. I think my guess is that it was that kind of a bet in the Celtics' head, Jacks, that that what they wanted to do. And then Hayward said, okay, you're going to call me to off to the river here. Okay, I have the hand. I'm walking away, and you're going to get nothing. And well, the yeah. Celtics didn't count on that. I mean, it's easy to walk away when he gets 120 million like there's no chance he should be getting that much money and that's that's the Horford deal that's that's the that's the you know it's kind of a win-win-win you know I I know it sucks to lose Hayward for nothing but like you know you weren't going to pay him that anyway and I guess the only thing that I could see as a win besides a draft pick or a young player that you might be high on like I don't know Pacers don't have anyone they just they just lost TJ Leaf for nothing you know but like like wouldn't Depot, wouldn't De- getting Depot back be a win-win-win? Like, he doesn't want to be there. He's coming off an injury. He's an expiring. So, really, it could be a rental for a sh- just see how it works and, you know, maybe do whatever in the offseason. But, like, wouldn't that have been the most logical win-win-win for everyone? Yeah, I mean, I think that that that's the one that makes the most sense in terms of, like, what were they really playing for? Like, when I say what are they playing for on the upside, you know what, T.J. Warren – makes sense sort of in the abstract of what the Celtics maybe want going forward. But you then have to make the argument that, that they would rather pay Gordon Hayward four years and a hundred million dollars than just have TJ Warren on the money right. that they have. Right. And like the sort of calculus of like, would they offer him this contract that's already above market and give up a player who's below market? It was, that was probably never going to happen, but Oladipo, maybe they would. Now, personally, I don't think that that's a, a play that the Celtics should particularly be, have been interested in, but at least I can believe it. Right. Like I can, I might be wrong. I might be wrong that he, that shouldn't be the play. And maybe they would, you know, were really interested in that. And that is the upside play that they were, were running for. I still get to a point of like, is, is Victor Oladipo for one more year with all of his injury history? Like, is that, 
what you really want to be going for with what this team really is going forward now that, that I think very much has been clarified here. That's like, this is Jason Tatum's team and there's no other, you know, no other way around, no reasonable thing to think about other than that. Um, so I still question, even if that is what they were playing for, particularly if there was no like really close deal that they were sitting on being like, you know, okay, this is something that we're, we're pretty certain is going to happen here. Um, and I don't know. It was, a, it was a mismanagement of the I'll risk say, reward. It was a mismanagement of the risk reward, right? In terms of like, yeah, maybe you're holding out for that, and that then you're losing out on all these other free agents while you're holding out for that. So like, but we should talk about that though. What are these right? other free agents that everyone's like? I, I keep reading about this that every, we keep missing out on free agents. Like, who could we? Who could the Celtics have gotten? No one really like does it for me. Well, so that's actually something that I want to get into. Is like, yeah. there is a certain amount that there weren't any other great free agents here, and like the the opportunity cost of using the MLE on Tristan Thompson isn't particularly great and maybe wouldn't have been particularly great a day before. Like there aren't these like amazing three and D options that are, that are sitting out there. And I think there is actually still a possibility that if this turns into a trade exception, that a large trade exception, if they get it for a a very small price or a reasonable price and Tristan Thompson and Jeff Teague is probably a better outcome than like Miles Turner and Doug McDermott and having the MLE to spend on something else because it will it probably would have been a taxpayer MLE. Like I think that there is a case to be made that this just like, it could be better than the alternatives that people were assuming it was going to go to when you really look at it closely. Sure. It's still worse than the alternatives of like, they should have just resolved this 10 months ago. Yes. I mean, let's or, get to that. Know, let's get to that. I mean, you know, though, how do you do that? Like, you trade him. No, That's I, it. no. <laughs> like, okay. No, I understand when you have the, the power, physical. When you have it under your control, you do something <laughs> instead of allowing, you know, they didn't move Al Horford because they thought that they were a title contender. And then he leaves and everybody says, oh, well, somebody wanted to sign him for all the money. But what that tells you is that he had value. Like there were teams out there that were willing to give him that amount of money team. that he had trade value. So one is the beginning <laughs> place. But like, they didn't move him because they thought they were a title contender. They were misreading the team. Kyrie Irving, they were trapped in this v- vision that they had that there was going to be a Kyrie and KD team up, and there was, but they were holding out whatever faint hopes were left that it would come to Boston, and it, it didn't, and that blew up in their face. And now, again, they are holding on to these players until the timer runs out, and it, and it leaves their control. And this is not, for whatever we want to believe, this is not the Los Angeles Lakers with a bunch of clutch clients. Like, where you can be confident that they're all going to be staying like this is an actual problem and no matter how, I'm, like I'm getting like right it's the internet whatever people are angry and I say things and then I get back they're like I can't you know you don't understand it was just one team offered a bunch of money and there's nothing you can do about it like you can do something about it like you can move a half a season too early instead of a half a season too late but that and they aren't like right now. that what that does is like you just have to keep playing this to the like the lowest common denominator, which is like every year is this team a title contender. And if you for, firmly believe, you know, you know, four months ahead of time before you actually have to know that you're a title contender, then you should just fire sale every year. Like, I, I don't understand the difference, right? But like never making the move means that you always think you're a title contender. Like never making the move thinks that you're all, that you're in heavy every single year. And I'm not saying that you need to make the move every single year. There are reasonable risks that can be taken. But like when you can, when you get burned by it multiple times, yeah, you I, have to look back and be like, and multiple also times are, with the, with two really good players, you know, well, what and I mean? two players right. who you didn't want to pay, like two players who you knew was, uh, were a good chance that you did not want to have on your payroll long term, and you held on to them anyway. Kyrie is somewhat of a different circumstance because the payoff of Kevin Durant teaming up with him is right. so great that you can make the argument that if there's a two percent chance. You, sh- you should hold, you know, hold on to it instead of flipping him for a half a season to some team for like, you know, spare parts. But if you have players, also way more than a 2% chance. I mean, the dude said he was coming back. Well, you know by I, mid-season, I, I, come on. Yeah, like, by I February, that had changed. But no, here's the other thing, though, with Hayward right yeah. now. And like to, to on this on this front with Horford and, and Kerry, everyone had their different situation there. With Hayward, I think the biggest thing here, or to, to Ryan's point about the mid-season, they have to have the sense that he's not happy by right. the middle of this year. And that's where, for me, that's where the mismanagement comes is the most glaring in this situation because you have a guy, he's obviously been snake bitten by everything here since he's been here with injuries, with getting demoted from a role standpoint with the breakouts of Tatum. And then, you know, when you do lose Kyrie, you bring in another all-star in Kemba. So it's not like he's even moving up the food chain at all, which again, helps your chance of contending, but 
you have to have your pulse better on a guy like that to figure out, okay, is this, does he want to, is he all in on winning right now? Or is he understandably not thrilled with being the fourth option? And so again, I don't know where you look at Brad Stevens, Danny Ainge, uh, all the above on that front. Um, Maybe he was, they were not giving him the right message, but you know, I think Ryan Russillo reported that, you know, he had been wanted out for a while. So if that was true, then not moving him preemptively on top of like not wanting to pay him. That's where this Royal looks bad. NFL football continues on this week, which has a few surprise teams at the top of the standings. And you might not be able to be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at bet online, no matter how the schedules change or players that play bet online is going that extra mile to make sure you can get in on every game this season with the fastest updated odds in the industry. There are always more options to wager than anywhere else online. So head on over to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great midseason bonuses, offers, and contests. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. And now back to the show. I think like, so also that ignores in- like oh the idea that they thought maybe they could repair the relationship. And also like they were, you know, a dude like after the Isaiah, I think there is a, a lingering thing around the league with the Isaiah situation where he gutted it out and they, and they, there's probably a perception that they screwed him over anyway. So again, Hayward comes back for, gets, you know, an awful injury comes back and then you trade him a half a season too early. Yeah. I do think there's a cost there. Well, w- whether it's who cares, you know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, who cares? I get that. But like, I do think there is a sort of emotional fan and free agent cost to doing stuff like that, to being that callous. Now, if you could come to an amicable solution, like if they said, if, if people are saying that he wanted to leave halfway through the season, maybe they could have done that halfway through the season. Uh, and it would have been a win, win, win on everyone. But I think the idea of winning a fake COVID title, you know, where anything could happen in the bubble was too strong. That's what I, that's what I think. So there's a lot of people who are coming back on, on this idea with like, well, if Gordon Hayward was healthy, they would have made the finals. and I'm not advocating that they should have traded him for nothing. Like they might've made the finals if they had had two more guys on the bench or in the rotation who were like viable, right? Like Mm. they healthy. (laughs) Yeah. And so, and part of it is that I'm not necessarily looking for a win, win, win. Like it's nice if it happens, but like priority wise, if you're, if you're talking about the front office or the Celtics, like the Celtics winning is the number one priority. The player being happy is like a nice thing. That's a second priority. And the other team winning, I don't, I hope they lose. Like, I don't really care. <laughs> don't you um, think the Gordon Brad thing, though, had something to do with, like... I, so this is another thing. I, like, B-Rob and I have talked about it on the past in some pods that I've alluded to. Like, I don't really care. It's not... No, you don't care. Popovich. <laughs> of course well, you don't care. Well, but it's not, but... like, what is... What has, that definitely has factored in, though. But that, that, that is definitely factored in. That level of, of respect for the franchise where they're making, like, major max contract personnel decisions around what oh, will make him happy you're saying Brad Stevens doesn't deserve that. I see. No. Okay. Like, what exactly is it that they pay him a, a large amount of money on long contracts, and he's a good coach? And this is, again, something that came up even in the last pod. I think he's a very good coach. I think he should remain the head coach of the Boston Celtics. But if they make a decision like, hey, we're going to move this guy because we think he might leave. And even if he doesn't, we don't necessarily want to have him on our payroll because we have other things coming. And his response isn't, that's what's good for the team. It's like, well, but he's my buddy. That's ridiculous. Like that, yeah. that isn't going to be how things play out. And if it is, then that's a problem. Like that's not a thing that you should coddle, but I don't, I don't think that's what like, happens anyway. I don't think I don't that's think, what would have happened. I don't think it's like an all or nothing thing. I think it's like a 10%, you know, thumb on the scale. That's it. You know, I don't think, you know, I still think, I still think they probably tried to do something and they lost. Like, it's also fair. I think, isn't it fair to say that, like, you know, we don't know what happens behind the scenes and I'm not trying to, like, make excuses, even though I have been this whole time. Like, isn't it fair to say, though, that, like, maybe they just lost this one? Sure. I mean, we're both taking somewhat of, like, the extreme ends of the spectrum here because – that's how the conversation is easiest to have. But like, this is obviously a place where there are lots of shades of gray. These aren't all just like black and white decisions that they should have done this or should have done that. We don't know what was available for them to do. We don't know what teams at the moment were interested in, in, in who and what and how things have played out even just in the last week. We just absolutely don't know. Maybe they had a deal locked in that would have looked great and Hayward's agent calls around one last time to check 
and he says, oh, you can get $120 million and everything falls apart. And like, it would have, it was, you know, a half a second away from being everything was hunky-dory. We don't, we just don't know. Um, my, my point is sort of more about the, the larger trends of like decision-making over the last couple of years that I don't think have been optimal after years of decisions that were pretty optimal. And some of that is about like, it's much easier to be making decisions when you're breaking down and rebuilding than it is when you're trying to get something across the line. Oh, yeah. And, and the conversation around Isaiah and like perception and all that is fine, but all, you know, that was one of the decisions, the few decisions that was probably right <laughs> in the last couple of years, like unequivocally right to move off Isaiah, even if not to, to buy in on Kyrie. Um, and even if that backfires on you, then again, you're talking in a lot of shades of gray here. Um, but like from a, simplistic level they have lost three major players for nothing or nearly nothing they then replaced one by signing a player who i think a lot of people are already looking at and being like okay one more year with kemba maybe like where is what is exactly the future of this with with kemba is this are we gonna be in the same situation two years from now he's not necessarily the right timeline was he the right like there's a lot of just just a lot of uncertainty around around even the big decisions that they've made that at the moment look look solid um but yeah that kemba, I mean, I, the kemba one i think hurts like almost as much as anything right now in terms of like the long like how they were hamstrung this offseason because i mean if they we'll see if he gets back and is right then you know that's that's fine and i know he's he's tight with tatum so that makes me think he's not going anywhere anytime soon if you want to keep tatum happy um as long as he has something left in the tank but, it, um, but he has to like he right. can be here for another year a season and a half right but then you're in the exact same situa- situation you are right now which is like oh we have a small 32 year old point guard and our the future of our franchise that we're trying to build our team around for the next decade and because hopefully he doesn't want to leave two years from now is 24 and like so uh, i keep reading he's 19 yeah <laughs> well he will be 24 at some point well maybe he'll never be 24 um but like the Kemba situation is fine. Uh, when they signed him, I was sort of like, I get it. There's, they've sort of lost their timelines here and they're trying to like reestablish some sort of baseline and, and it's okay. And like, I'm not against it now. I'm not making it seem like I think it was a bad decision or a bad contract. I think it was okay. It's, is what it is. Like it's salvaging. Um, but they can't have the same thing that happened with Al Horford and Gordon Hayward happen with Kemba Walker two years from now. No, they're out of, they're out of options there. But and now if he gets traded as part of a big pitch and they get Bradley Beal and he's, moved out and they get draft picks and those draft picks become this and that like great it'll have all worked out and things will have sort of normalized and some things work and some things don't and you're fine but you know or or what if he's a reliable third uh, option despite being paid like a number one because Tatum and Brown have made that leap and they are title contenders because it's it's easy to laugh about the Celtics being title contenders when there's obviously Brooklyn and LA and and other LA which which seem to have very, very good teams. But as you keep saying, this is all predicated on Jason Tatum becoming this absolute superstar. And if he is a top five player in the league at some point in the next two years, who cares if Kemba Walker is making so much money if they're in the finals? No, absolutely. Jason Tatum wins the MVP next year. The Celtics win the the NBA championship. Kemba Walker's on the team. Everything is great and nothing else matters. Right. Right. There's no other problems there. If he wins or if he's a top three or five or whatever MVP candidate next year and you are in a position in two seasons from now to to try to play it out because you're like, hey, we're going to win 65 games and we're the, you know, a top two or three favorite for the title. And that is somewhat of a, in my opinion, even though they made it to the conference finals, a different position than where they are now. You can cross that bridge when you get to it. I'm not saying that there's no way that this plays out well other than having him traded. But like if Jason Tatum is the eighth best player in the league and just sort of tougher. continues to be the eighth bet, right? He becomes Paul George and not Kobe Bryant. It's like, okay, that's great, but you need Jalen to move up the ranks a lot. <laughs> I mean, even then, like there's no, there's such a small basis for teams that have the eighth best player winning the title. Like, yeah. Like and, but the, the eighth is, and the 20th, there's no out of that. You? There's yeah. no out of that. The out from that is, is gone. And that's, the pick that might have become Luka Doncic and thankfully didn't was traded three years ago, right? Like there's, there's no way that you can get out of that other than five years from now when Tatum is, you know, equivocating about signing a supermax, you trade him for a million draft picks. Right. And then you just have to deal with it. And like, that's so far down the line that you don't want to have to 
consider yeah, that at the moment. That all that stuff. Like, pod. Yeah. But you get my point <laughs> is that like the Kemba piece in here in the middle transitioning you from sort of one weird broken era with Kyrie to the future of, of a Tatum centric world needs to be managed better than the last couple of transitional players were managed. Al right. Horford so, being a transitional player, and Gordon Hayward being a transitional player functionally. You also need Kemba from that standpoint, like comparing to Al and like Gordon's situation, you need to be on the same page in there in terms of saying, okay, he has that big player. You have to hope again, he's, these guys were all about the money, obviously. Hayward, or, and that's their, that's their right. There's nothing wrong with going to the highest bidder and getting your bag. Um, you hope that with Kemba, it's like, hey, when that player option comes around, we actually, you know, we've been talking about these renegotiations with other teams. Like, you like it here. You're tight with Tatum. Like, we want you here, but we can't afford to pay you $35 million and also, like, maximize, you know, our contending chances. So let's let's figure something out that makes sense for both sides. So, like, that has to happen. Like, they, like right, your point, Randy, they, they can't mess that up for that time around. Like, and this is their so last chance at it. Can't we – can't isn't there a scenario though where they have their cake and they eat it too like ryan brought up uh and this might be pie in the sky but if they get this massive trade uh exception from uh charlotte couldn't that absorb bradley beal mid-season absolutely so uh, it's tight on the math. I'll, I'll is throw it that though? out. It, well, it depends on how they structure Horford's or uh, Hayward's contract. If, yeah. if they actually are stretching Batum, which like none of this stuff has happened yet, which is just odd, right? They have, they they're not, they're not stretching Batum. There's I don't no think way. it's odd at all. I think they're trying to, I think it's, well, it's, that's it's odd that it was reported that that was going to happen. And that's posturing. That's a league. Yeah, I agree. Posturing. Now, <laughs> if they clear enough money, they should sign Hayward to a descending contract. Which would give 32 million something as a, as a trade exception if they were to get it, assuming that there aren't right. You can add a whole bunch of stuff in there that that caveats on it, but it's possible that it will create an exception big enough for Beal. Now, I the immediate question is a trade exception and what gets you Bradley Beal right now? They sort of need it to wait a year and have like Aaron Neesmith prove that he's like a really good young player, um, mm. because I don't think you can trade. I don't think a Kemba Beal Tatum team is better than a Jalen like is it better than a Beal Jalen Tatum team by any means like it's not a great match between Kemba and Beal like you sort of have to use Kemba to get the other pieces that are going to get Beal also there's a financial ramifications you know that are pretty massive but there's but there's also like Beal's like I don't want to be here and so isn't isn't Beal what how many more years does he have like well but I don't want to be here doesn't mean he he can dictate that he's going to go to a team that can't really offer that much he's not James Harden like but anyway, he's got, got there will be other teams that come in and just option. offer more than the Celtics, right? Like true, yeah. But I, I don't know. I mean, New Orleans is going to come in hard and be like, "Hey, we want to. You're 26, and we think you're really good to go next to, to go next to Zion. Zion." They've been, you know, going. They've wanted him forever. If Harden doesn't move, then everybody thinks that Brooklyn will be in on him. Now, Brooklyn's offer isn't like amazing, but the only way that the Celtics can beat Brooklyn's offer is by again including Jalen unless you can flip Kemba and that's where all the conversations around drew and were they trying to flip Kemba to get parts to get Drew holiday. And are they open to this idea? Are there teams that see him as being valuable? How do you put together a trade of that size mid season, right? Like there's so much stuff that comes into it and, and we can't, there's no way we can answer these questions, right? It's too, too far out there. I, I agree that if they get the trade exception, it opens up like a huge number of other possibilities. It also opens up the possibilities that they use it to get like just kind of okay players who make, $15 million, $20 million. And like those Ooh, become salary. The, the salary fodder and you don't need to hold the trade exception, right? Like that's the other, that's another eminently possible way that this, this could play out. First, they have and, to get the trade exception and we don't even right. know if this is going to happen. And this is where I give a win for the Celtics or like, I like how Ainge handled one situation here. I do like nothing or a trade exception over taking Miles Turner right. contract because well, Miles Turner's contract, I think is going to be a net negative deal. It, like it already is, and it's not. I don't think that's. It's like change. a team poison pill. Right. <laughs> like, it's like you're you're gonna have to either pay to get off it, or you're gonna like yeah, it'll eventually be an expiring contract. But like, you're gonna go into the tax or like worry about you know repeater taxes just because you 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 took Miles Turner on your team when you there are like better options on your own roster. And I on think the free I think the only thing that saves it potentially is is 
the cap inflating in the, in the next couple of years. Like remember years ago when they signed Avery Bradley to like $11 million or something. And I like freaked out. I was like, why are they spending this much money on Avery Bradley? And then by the end of that deal, it was like, Oh my God, this is a bargain. Right. Like that's the only thing that saves that Turner contract, which, and there's no evidence that <laughs> that Turner becomes the player that for $18 million is like a, a, a good deal. Well, and right. So we've been talking on how many of these pods about like the the replacement cost for starting centers and Derek Favors MLE, Tristan Thompson MLE, uh Aaron Baines less than the MLE, Dwight Howard minimum. And these aren't even starters, but like Tice can start, right? Uh Gasol probably only LA bound, but uh just signed for uh, right. a small amount. I think the minimum maybe. Um Serge Ibaka. Again, it's LA, so maybe that has something. Maybe he's not yeah, an option for the Celtics, but right. MLE, like all of these guys, have signed for nine point two million dollars first year salary or less, and they seem to all be for two years. And like you would rather have any of those contracts over Miles Turner, I think, yeah. particularly if you already have Tice and you have some young, possibly developmental talent. Like it's just people think that Miles Turner is good. That's fine. You can believe he's good or not. It's very difficult to look at this market and think that Miles Turner's contract is good. Right. And, and so, yeah, I agree that the fact that you can get Tristan Thompson and again, the fact that there doesn't appear to have been a lot of opportunity cost lost at any position other than center for not having the MLE available because you had to use it on Tristan Thompson is, you know, part of something that plays in there in particular. Again, this would probably be the tax MLE. They have the BAE, like there's a whole bunch of stuff that plays in here. I do think that taking a particularly if you had to take, you know, Doug McDermott, who's like $7 million, he would not play in the playoffs. Like, you're basically saying that we're going to spend $25 million this year to get Miles Turner and then $18 million in the next two years. And there's just so many better options that you would legitimately, in my opinion, just rather take nothing. Right. Yep. Which is what they did. And that's fine. From that standpoint, I have no issue with them playing hardball with the Pacers on that. It's like we've just, we won't beat it to the ground, but it's the other stuff around the Hayward situation is where, you know, you look closer. Let it, let's talk about Tristan Thompson though. Um, Two years, we don't know if it's guaranteed two years left or maybe it's a, a player option or a team option. Um, that has not come out yet. But I do – having just a great offensive rebounder that can also play defense, I think is pretty ideal for this team. You know, the Celtics had a lot of success with Cantor on the floor in the regular season in that role and were not even chewed up defensively most nights with him just, like, cleaning up, giving the keys to Tatum and – letting him lead a bench unit. And now with Thompson, you get, you know, probably a little bit less talented than Cantor offensively, but the same rebounder and uh, 101% better defense. Yeah. What I love about the Tristan Thompson signing is the Celtics finally have a guy who leads the league in pushing somebody away from a rebound and getting it (laughs) and never getting an offensive call or off the ball foul. And I love it. Because every time I watch a game where we where the Celtics play against Tristan Thompson, I'm screaming at the TV being like, he just shoved him like seven feet, and now I don't have to scream. Although, for my luck, because I you know, was born under a black cloud, it's like we're, he, that's when the refs are finally going to start calling his push-offs. Like everyone talks about how he's such a great offensive rebounder, which he is, but I swear – Watch him for five seconds. He just grabs whatever guy's near him and throws him out of the way and grabs that board. So for that, I love it. Uh, question for both of you. Who should start at center? That's a great question. Um, did, did Thompson did Thompson start on Cleveland last year every game? Yep. Yep. Okay. He pretty much Even started. After Drummond arrived and uh was Drummond oh, oh yeah. Let me look it up. He he definitely did primarily, but I think there are probably a few games where they brought him up. They like rested him like some games too routinely. It's it honestly might be matchup based. Fifty one out of fifty seven. Yeah, so pretty much started everything. Um, I, it's on one hand, it's hard for me to. I would think that the starting job would be part of the the sell job for the Celtics to get him to Boston over. I assume a couple other suitors for the mid level. I imagine like Toronto and and the Lakers, or maybe not the Lakers since they. They use their money in hero, but, um, you know, I'm sure there are other couple of playoff teams that were in on them. Um, but at the same time, they could, this other thing, like, yeah, we're going to start you selectively. You'll probably close games a lot. And, um, yeah, the minutes are here. So I, for me, it's probably matchup based, um, in terms of who starts on a daily basis. What do you think, Jax? Is it ever really matchup based? Everybody always says that, and then it's never really 
It's never matchup. Well, but it's never so the Close starting the starting though isn't matchup based. But if they get subbed out like very quickly and then and then like like for Embiid, right? Like if right. Tice isn't playing Embiid well and Cantor comes in like this last year, then they just play Cantor more minutes. So you're right. Like that. Yeah, starting is such so irrelevant, you know, in my head. But no, closing that's the way is matchup based, and playoffs playoffs are matchup based, and that's right. really what matters. So that's right. fair enough. But the way I think about like who starts, you know, the real thing is like who is the primary center on you know the best lineup. Like I think it's almost Tyson Sharon's because at some point does he turn into a pumpkin? Uh, he's injury prone. I think it's very fair to say he's injury prone, regardless of how much you like him. He just is. And he uh, works really hard, but he's, he's what late twenties and already has a torn ACL already has foot issues, like undersized relying on his athleticism. I, I just think that it's, it's easy to get a guy like Tristan Thompson and say, yeah, there's plenty of minutes to go around because Tice isn't going to play 82 games, and and he's and if Tice is having a bad, it's like, all right, get out of here. It's yeah. I think it's that simple. So I agree with with I think those basic structures. I think that for me, it's relatively clear that it's going to be Tristan Thompson. Um, yeah. I don't know if that he's actually a better player than Tice, but I think it's relatively clear that he is. I think that the Thompson signing is good for a couple of reasons. Um, one, the last two years they've spent draft capital in order to dump centers and I don't think they'll have to do that with Tristan Thompson. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's not even that those signings were bad necessarily. And Cantor, it turned out that there was a team that would have taken him for nothing and they just sort of wrapped it into a trade right. that they probably would have made anyway. So they didn't really give up any capital. They got a trade to... exception too, right? Yeah, they got a trade exception. Yeah, they did get a trade exception. Um, my concern, if there is one here, is that it's a real imperative now that like the Celtics start drafting really well and developing young players for the next iteration they don't have any they don't have like a big stash of future draft picks in fact they don't have any other you know any uh first round picks owned you know from other teams coming um they salary cap they're not going to be under it anytime soon we've talked about Kemba is aging and and contract status like they need to start developing young players um who are not top 10 picks better and I wonder what this means for Robert Williams um who you would hope to be you know to be playing uh the where all of that sort of leads me is back to me, you know, moving too early, moving too soon, better than being moving too late is like, is there something that happens this season where they trade Daniel Tice? Um, because you can, you can get another veteran center who you have some amount of reliability with for the minimum. You know, you, again, we just saw, I don't want Dwight Howard on the Celtics, but Dwight Howard is a fine, like was starting on the NBA champion a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and he signed for the minimum. And you can find other players who do that. And Tice is, has, this is his last year before he's a free agent. Thompson now has two years. You're probably not going to be in a position where you want to re-sign Tice unless it's like he's coming back on the minimum, you know, or some very small amount, le- basically what he's making now or less. And if he's playing heavy minutes, then he's going to probably make some amount more than that. If he's not playing heavy minutes, then, you know, he's, then Robert Williams should be playing. Like, I think there is a way that this plays out where this is a competition between Thompson and Tice where Thompson has like a pretty heavy head start because of his contractual status. And they just, they cannot bury Robert Williams. They need to either trade him or play him and they need to be playing some of their young players to develop the next era. And like, that's my only concern about this is that it buries another young player. Which is why, which is why I don't want to sign another wing. You guys keep talking about another wing. We got Romeo and Naismith. Romeo's not playing for two months though. He's not going to play until like the middle of the season. Well, but that's also four wings. They need six wings, seven wings. They play three wings all the time. You can't have Jason, Jalen, and then be like, Sammy? oh, yeah, we're going to be playing Sammy's going to be busy. <laughs> Naismith needs to play. I agree. Romeo needs to play. But there's there's a lot of minutes at the wing. There aren't a lot of minutes at center. And and Grant is going to play some there as well. He's going to play some center. He's going to play some, you know, power. Well, here's like, my question. Is, are they going to do a lot of double bigs here? Like, and I think that they did What's have some success big? with that. Like, no, like playing Grant at power forward. Is double big or some? Yeah, or, or, or playing play Tristan, playing Tristan Thompson and Rob Williams together, like Tristan if Thompson. Tristan Thompson is, started shooting threes, right? I, I don't know. Was yeah. it you who, who pointed out that he started shooting threes? Like he would need to be shooting threes to play with nine of twenty three last like, year, thirty nine percent. Like we gotta out. keep that percent, but get the usage, you know, the the the, the utilization up pretty high. Um, but that I, I think, think that, that, if you count Grant as a big, then I think they'll have a lot of time that they play Grant as as a right. power forward. But um, 
I don't think it's in Brad Stevens' nature to want to play that way. So I, I agree with that. Might be their, that might be their strength, though. Like if when guys are hurt right now, and it's the less strength. Like, that's I mean, not a strength. That's it's a not weakness. a strength. I mean, it isn't, but, like, with, like, Jason Tatum, like, again, think about the bench last year when, like, Grant, like Tatum plus Wanamaker, Grant Williams, and Cantor had, they had some, like, amazing, you know, plus-minus numbers. And I feel like the formula, again, could be simply, okay, let's just get a bunch of guys that can set good screens, play good defense, and offensive rebound and misses, and then, you know, that can – it's not working in the playoffs against most opponents, but it can get you wins when you are – when you're – wings are, are hurt or are not existent yet yeah I mean if you're talking about the Tatum plus bench minutes where it's like Jason you know Jason dribbles up the left side of the court dribbles around for a little bit and takes a couple of step back threes and like makes two of them in the course of six minutes and like that's enough to prop up the entire team and the the bench looks good which is like I'm not knocking that that's like an enormous strength of Jason Tatum's game right, right? They're leaning into um, it. <laughs> I'm not I'm not complaining about that but like if you're talking about some of those minutes okay fine but even then I think you're looking at, at Grant to be in there more than Tristan Thompson and Daniel Tice or Tristan Thompson and Robert Williams or whatever. But this all does get, is you're sort of making the point that I'm, that I'm getting at here. It's like, if you have one too many bigs and one too few wings, like who is the big that you could move? And like Daniel Tice, maybe. What, right? what do you it's, get it's, for him? Well, I mean, you're not, you're using him in large part to, to move salary possibly, but like he, he is a good center, right? He's a good center, but he doesn't make a ton of money. And you'd be, somebody would be getting his bird rights because he's been here long enough for that now. And, um, I don't think you're going to get a ton for him, but the, you know, a backup wing is just more valuable than a backup center. And if you can get one, and even if it means that you're giving up second round picks or your own, if you're, if you're looking really good at the trade deadline and for once they actually decide that they want to make a move at the trade deadline, instead of just like sitting on things and you're trading the 25th pick in the draft. And it's like, okay, really what you're giving up is a 25th pick in the draft and your Daniel Tice is a contract, right? Like, I still want to go back and say who's that backup wing because because uh, like James Ennis used to be a backup wing and now he's not you know like there's well, there'll no... be a lot of guys who used to be backup centers and aren't anymore either right? no I, mean... I know but I don't care about centers to be honest with you well, <laughs> you know, but then like... you're making the argument for trading for considering that fact that they might be trading one of Thompson or Tice and that Thompson just has a big head start because he has an extra year they just signed him he's some more proven whatever um, or they or they should trade Robert Williams. Right. I mean, let's talk about that because I think when I, when they made this signing at first, that was my first thought, like, Ooh, is, is Rob Williams going to be included as a sweetener with this, if they have this trade exception in terms of, you know, a first round pick and Rob Williams for whatever, like the, the wink that you're talking about, Ryan, like that, that crossed my mind. One of the Martins, one of the Martins off of Chicago. (laughs) Um, They just signed Biombo, so I assume not, right? They're bringing back Biombo on a minimum, which yeah, is what is that? that? I mean, fills that role. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're looking for a guy who's going to just, you know, I, I think it would be a mistake because I'm a big Robert Williams fan. But I've also said, like, if Rod, if Brad isn't going to play him, then trade him. It's that simple. If you're not going to play him, move on. Like, what's the purpose otherwise? I, I think he's an exceptionally talented offensive center and a weird defensive center who isn't particularly good, and that if his defense ever catches up to his offense, you have a valuable player who probably isn't going to have the profile around the league to like garner a giant restricted free agent contract that you feel bad about paying. Like he becomes miles Turner. Right. Um, And so, but if you're not going to play him, then it's, then it's useless and you should trade him for whatever little thing you can get for him now. Cause otherwise you're just wasting time. But I, still, I like Robert Williams. I still I like don't play. know. I still want to know what's the who's the backup wing <laughs> still okay, well, here, i'll give you some names right now i'll give you some names on the free agent market that are left which are going to make you well, I'm really talking, excited i'm talking about trades so oh, yeah, trades, yeah, trades trades yeah well, we can I'll talk give... about that too i just like no name who's making like five million dollars because that's really you know that's the canner trade exception like unless well, unless it's is... a unless it's like the the bigger trade exception you're right like well, no, this... but tice makes five so yeah. You know, you're not you're not going to be an, uh, you're not going to be a tax team. I don't think we'll see how things play out. So, 175 percent of five million plus you add in whatever other contract. Like you can very quickly get to 10 million dollars okay, by having Daniel Tice be the primary. You know, let's do 10 million. B, let's let's hear some names. All right. Well, I don't have. This is the free agents left right now, <laughs> which tells you, which I think tells you that it's probably going to be a trade. Um, Michael Kid Gilchrist, I believe, still out there unless he signed with Dallas. Um, C.J. Miles. Cephalosha, Gerald Green, Glenn Robinson, Corver's out there, Stanley Johnson. It's it's bad. 
it it's is. all men guys. These and are all men. Wayne, guys. Actually, so like Wayne Ellington, like you can get a sharpshooter that's still out there, like Galloway, that maybe they'll like. I know they've been, they've also been linked to Shaq Harrison. Like I've heard that name a lot. Like as these, a, have they been linked to him? Or is that just, guards, but, I mean, people have been like, or is that just like Jared White? I mean, Grandy. I mean, yeah, I know why. But like, Grandy like yeah. did a so, like I don't know when, when Grandy tweets something like that. That makes me think maybe he knows. I have no interest in six four wings. You know what I mean? If you're six yeah. four and you're a wing, like I'm not sure what you what you're gonna Isn't do. Isn't he six seven? He's I think he's six, I think he's bigger. I know Tory Craig is six seven. He was my number one. Like if you were yeah, gonna I mean, get a backup who just signed, he just signed with uh but fine, yeah. You don't like Tory Craig? He's fine. Oh, he's with no God. You like Robert Williams, you don't like Tory Craig? Come on. He's fine. He can shoot. I mean he can't <laughs> shoot. He's but he's fine. Yeah. He's a great, gritty defensive player. I love him. Yeah. <laughs> No, I mean, I'd be fine getting him. Uh, he went to Milwaukee. Uh, you know, on the on the biannual, that would have been like, right. all about that. would have been great. But he's gone. So this is interesting. Um, Basketball Reference says Shaq Harrison is 6'7". Wikipedia says he's 6'4". So it's, it's, it's we're at odds here. I think John, what I Hollinger listed him as 6'7 as well. Yeah, I don't so know, I assume 6'7". Wikipedia, but. If you yeah, go to I, NBA, I, they all had to do that, like, real height thing last year. So if you go to NBA, it should be their real height. Yeah, I, I believe 6'7", because that is makes a lot more sense for to be a defensive stopper for a guy that size for a wing. So, I mean, again, but that's not a, that's not like a long-term fix. That's a, Oh, maybe he'll turn into a defensive stopper that can hit a, a better version of like Shemi Ojale or something like that. Um, that's not too much. So for next pod, we should all come with who the best $10 million center or center uh, wing that we would want is because I I don't think it's out there. Well, I mean, are you particularly interested in Kyle Anderson? No. <laughs> I mean, the answer is PJ Tucker. Particularly uninterested. Right, the answer is the answer is PJ Tucker is who is the one who I'm not interested in PJ Tucker either. Over Daniel Tice for one more year. I mean, I guess, but he's a thousand years old. At some point, he's going to be a, a towel guy. Well, the problem with PJ Tucker at the moment is that he wants an extension. <laughs> well, there um, you go. <laughs> but like, the there would be a question, you know, if you if you're talking about a midseason trade, this is a, a one for one. Um, is Daniel Tice worth more than PJ Tucker? It would have to be Daniel Tice and something, right? So this yeah. is the question. At some point, does Ainge go back and say, "I'm actually willing to put something on the table at a, for a midseason trade for a rental," which they haven't, and maybe they just will continue not to. Um, but I mean, we can go around and, and talk about the ones who are right around there. Like, all right, Dylan Brooks makes eleven. Norm Powell makes ten. Now, some of these players are on good teams and are unlikely to to be traded. Right. Exactly. Jeremy Lamb, if he comes back from his injury, right? Jeremy Lamb is might never be any good again because he's George Hill is not a wing, but he's six five and he's hanging out there now. On they should on, get uh, him. That's who they should get. George Hill is the one who is sort of the one that's like that would be the most logical one. And now he's on this OKC tire fire. He's available. There should be a lot of teams that are looking for him. Now they have no, don't really have a way to get him right now, but if they were to get this big TPE, then George Hill, the problem is they just signed Jeff. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Like they're not getting George Hill. They just got Jeff T. Um, Is Larry Nance, Larry Nance isn't really a wing. He makes 11 and a half, right? TJ Warren, another Indiana guy, as we've already talked about. Covington just moved for two firsts. Like Covington makes 12. He just moved for two firsts. Tony Snell, you could have for free. He (laughs) makes 12 and a half. Like you're talking about a whole bunch of guys here. And I, I'm not even talking about the ones who just signed. I don't even remember who they all are. Justice Winslow moved last year for Crowder. And, like, these types of players are available. And if you're talking about Tice with $5 million and then somebody else to sort of get you in the right range, Peyton Pritchard, right, is going to make two and a half. It, like, it's so, not. So with, uh, with uh, is Winslow still on the Grizzlies? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, so they're not going to want Tice, but that's something that intrigues me. Because I'm just saying that he moved, like, I'm just sort of quoting the price, right? For he moved sure. For Crowder for and Iguodala. Sure. Like, that was, um, I don't think they have any interest in trading him, considering that they just spent quite a you know decent amount on him. Uh, it was a stupid trade, but they made it. Uh, you know, you can keep going down the line, right? Redick is 13. Like, you're getting into the amounts where it's now hard to get to. You sort of cap out, like, Rudy Gay makes 14, and Ubre just got moved. Like, you're getting into an amount of money that's harder to match. Right. But Great in that sort of right. 9 to 12, you... Well, if you're using the trade exception, then you don't need to be moving tight. Right, you don't need to move tight. Exactly. Like you, maybe you're just getting them and you're using, like, using first-round picks. This is a better – like, it's a better circumstance to be out there. But my – I do not want the team to be in a position where they're – where Robert Williams' clock runs out and they're playing Tristan Thompson and Daniel Tice 40 minutes a night and the other eight are, like, experimental small ball stuff with, with Grant Williams. And, and you just are like, 
hey, we've got this guy who we've now just burned three years. Like if they are, if they're going to do that, they should, again, they should trade him. If they're not and they're invested in actually playing him, then Daniel Tice's contract is going to round and you'll be in this position that I've been talking about where like, you're just seeing at the small assets, big assets, you don't want them to just run out into nothing when what's important is the next five years with Jason Tatum being an all all NBA player. And it's like, all right, I'm not proposing anything in particular. I'm just sort of saying like, I would like to see a little bit more proactivity in terms of some of the things that the front office has been doing here. But let's wrap up. Let's wrap up with five minutes on Jeff Teague, but here's my, you know, we do. We're going to, we're going to, 30 seconds on Jeff Teague. He (laughs) deserves three, like everyone will put a timer on, but here's, Here's the the final point here um, to your point, right? And what we've been talking about with, with trades. I want both of you guess how many in season trades the Celtics have made in the last five years. Brennan, you go first. In season. In season uh, trades. Two. Ryan, your guess. Is it one? You need an answer. The is answer one? is one. Oh, one. Come on. One trade, and it and it was is... a salary dump. Jabari Bird. Was that his season? It was, that was before the season. It was Jabari Bird at the trade line in a salary dump. Oh, that, yeah, because they were holding on to him because they were, they were holding on. legal. They were waiting yes. for the, the to see if they would be able to get him off of the books with the uh, the domestic abuse provisions, which require a court case. And so they had to sit on him until the trade deadline and then move him because the court system doesn't move that quickly. Right. Yeah. So How that, long ago was Marcus Thornton? Uh, uh, that was the. the yeah, that was 2014-15. All right, so at least I'm not insane. Okay, no, no, cool. no. So yeah, that was that was that's, that's <laughs> or year like a thousand years old. They did like, but there like, were a lot of in-season trades between 2008 and then, and that's sort of what our what I'm getting at is like they right. have become much more passive at a time when they had more. Is it picks hoarding, Ryan? Is it hoarding? And those picks have disappeared. It's not well, like it's hard to say that they made that. Let's like they should have moved these picks because they should not have moved the Jason Tatum pick for Jimmy Butler, right? But they have seen a lot of things that have just sort of dwindled away from the roster or become nothing when, like, they weren't all in, but they were some amount in when they went to three three conference finals in four years, and they haven't really done anything to show that. It's almost like like Ainge was, being, was looking at his team and being like, we're not good enough, so I don't want to do anything over and over again. And it's like, yeah, you weren't good enough, so you didn't do anything. But act, what you didn't do anything with turned into nothing as well. Right. And you're, you're still like, in the you same position. You have to nail the picks. Just, if you, have to, you have to nail some yeah. of the other picks. You have to nail a pick or two with outside the top ten when you hold on to all of them. But, it's like, really important guys, that Aaron Neesmith is good. Remember, though, really remember, <laughs> like, like Sacramento was good for a year, and then they were terrible. And that was the Doncic pick, right? Or well, that I'm was not even the... talking about those picks, though. But, like, like and then just... Memphis, same way. Is Memphis going to be any good this year? Or are they but even a, what about a, but a future first round of your own, Jax? Like, uh, a pick in the 20th. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I'm totally fine giving like up those, the 25th yeah. pick. And they haven't. And, they have and so done. what did they use them for? They used one, right? They had the 20th pick, and... They didn't take Thibel. They didn't take Clark. They didn't take uh, Baisley. And it's like, okay, they ended up with Grant Williams, and he plays the same position as two of those guys, and it's okay. Grant Williams is an interesting, but whatever. But they use that pick. They trade back. They get Carson Edwards, who looks basically like nothing. Then they use the other pick to dump Baines, who it turns out probably they could have moved without having to move a pick at all. He goes and has a pretty good half a season, at least, in, in Phoenix. Then they take that pick. They use it to dump Cantor sort of basically they're trading out into two seconds that are you know whatever Never we'll see what they are like yeah. they just have been burning the the material of of what could have been in-season trades on on you know off-season trades that don't really provide anything um and it's just sort of like again i'm not i'm not suggesting that they should have traded that they should have traded jalen or jason for jimmy butler or or paul george but like they can be a little bit more aggressive on things, including with their own star players as they come to the end of their contracts, just generically. <laughs> and I would think that that would be a good plan for somebody going forward. But you want to talk about Jeff T? Yeah, Jeff T. Wait, wait, wait. Real actually, quick question, real quick question. Is this just Ainge PTSD from trading Kendrick Perkins for Jeff Green? A good trade. I think it might be. A good trade. Oh, don't open that box. Don't open that can of worms. All right, Jeff Teague. Um one-year deal, either for the biannual or the minimum. It's got to be the minimum. It's it probably going to be the minimum. They're, you, I think Bobby Mark said they still have the BAE, which means that he would – Yeah, which he would – He, he, he probably has the access to those I don't really know. Um, yeah. So that 
If it's a minimum, I, I think that's a, a very good signing. Brad, I, I did, you know, Brad Wanamaker is gone. That, that hurts um, me. But beyond that, Teague, when engaged, is a decent backup point guard at this stage of his career. Defensively, it's not going to be pretty, but his assist rate was, has routinely in like the top 20% of point, you know, of anyone in the league, period. And so they haven't had that, you know, creator off the bench. You know, Smart obviously is good in the pick and roll, um, but Teague is a natural point guard that can shoot the three a little bit. It's all comes for me, right? It's like all comes down to like, is he going to like try on defense and stuff? And hopefully on a a winning environment, he does. I think he's slightly worse than Brad Wanamaker and a slightly better fit. And yeah, if he tries on defense, they'll find a way to to make that work. They're probably going to find a way to make it work because they don't really have anybody else to, I don't know. I don't expect that Brad Stevens is going to trust Peyton Pritchard or Tremont Waters over somebody with Jeff Teague's name. Um, he loves veterans. He loves veterans who are just sort of okay, um, which is why I'm worried that they'll play Tristan Thompson and Daniel Tice over Robert Williams. Uh, I'm not as worried because Peyton Pritchard and uh, maybe Peyton Pritchard will be amazing. I don't, I don't know. But, um, yeah, I think that they could use some on-ball creation having lost Hayward and that there were times when they could have used it last year, uh, even with Tatum taking a, a big step forward, especially in the playoffs and, and his ability to do that. Um it's not a huge position of need because of Marcus Martin, because Tatum is maybe going to be a four or five assisted, you know, a game guy this year. So um, I'm fine with it. Other than that, nobody likes watching Jeff Teague play. Um, he's just Jeff Teague. Uh, but yeah, I think that in aggregate, Wanamaker is probably a slightly better player, which is probably why he got paid a little bit more. Uh, but that, yeah, Teague is potentially a, a better fit for what, self, you know, second unit Celtics teams need. I, I sort of feel like one of Teague's best aspects or attributes is his wheels. And I can't imagine he's got much of those left. And so I, I don't like the signing. I think about it, like what's the wins above Tremont waters. And I would much rather see Tremont waters try to create. I know he's two inches shorter than Teague and he's not a veteran, but it's just Jeff Teague, just doesn't do it for me and if he's the 15th man I would rather or replacing Brad Wanamaker it's the same argument for Robert Williams let's get a young guy let's get if, if you're if you're happier with Carson Edwards because he's not in a two-way play Carson Edwards like d- d- see what these young guys can do getting Jeff Teague in there you could probably get a veteran point guard any at any point right that, yeah I mean yeah I agree with that. Like in the, my preseason stuff, I had said, I don't think they need to sign a point guard at all because again, they have Marcus Smart, they have Jason Tatum. Then they drafted a four year senior point guard in the first round. <laughs> yeah. And like the only reason that I'm not like bothered by it is that it's a minimum contract for one year. Yeah. And like they can just release him. Yep. If, right. if it's, if anybody shows the ability to do anything else. Um, but they're going to have to rest Kemba, particularly at the beginning of the year. There's going to be a weird schedule. There's a very short turnaround. He did not look particularly healthy in the playoffs. He needs to be ready for the playoffs and is for all that I can agree that they should just play the other point guards they have. I don't actually believe that Brad Stevens is going to regularly start games with Tremont Waters or Tremont Waters or Peyton Pritchard, but that he might be more willing to, you know, pull down the minute. He's pretty good about managing minutes. He's very good about managing minutes to be fair. Um, but yeah, Kemba's not going to play every night all season and okay, whatever. I'm not wild about it, but it's a minimum. I, I don't really care. Right. Same, same. Except the way I look at it is you could easily slide smart as the one. And then oh, 100%. I agree. It, yeah. And then you could put the young guys as two and, and get them, you know, 15 minutes. But again, yeah. You're right. Would you, know, you rather be playing smart at the one and Aaron Neesmith at the three between Jalen and Jason or Jeff Teague smart at the two Jalen Jarrett? Like, I think you can make a very clear argument that you would rather particularly be playing Neesmith there, let alone the – um, you know, Payne Pritchard or, or Tremont Waters now use that as a backup, right? But also, we did just see in the playoffs, like Jason Tatum is going to play on the ball a lot. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, so I agree. I don't think it's a position they needed to fill. Uh, I don't, it would be hard. It's hard for me to believe that they would sign him and then cut him just because he does have name around the league and like it wouldn't look great, but also who really cares? They could. <laughs> um, well, I think I have to, he'll have to earn his minutes. From, and, and I think the fact it is a really short training camp. And the problem is everybody else will have to earn their minutes. He will not have to earn his minutes. Brad Stevens' MO is that he will he is yes, the one who will not have true. to earn it. The other guys will have to earn it from him. 
But I think to Birob's point, like if he sucks, like yeah, yeah, yeah. like Peyton Pritchard could be him out in camp for the backup point. Like that's not. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I'm not. He's. It's a minimum. They could waive him. Like it's right, not. Right. I it's don't not David know if... Lee. Hopefully, they learn from like the David Lee situation, like four or five years ago, and like not wait till. You know, if February that happens, they should the... cut bait. Right. They, they should, should cut not bait sit early him then. and play him and have him DNPing because he will probably not be happy with it. And then people will look at me like Jeff Teague is a former all-star and they know Jeff Teague's name and he played on the Hawks when they won a million games, right? Like they, I do not think that it would be good if somebody else beats him out and he sits there and he's getting DMPs. They yeah. should play him or not. And I would ideally not have him play, but again, it's a minimum and like, I'm not going to lose my mind over it. I can't believe we just spent like more yeah, than, more than yeah, that was more. We passed the, the buzzer for us. We're in overtime. And I'm the one who's defending the Jeff yeah. Teague's. Yeah, that's <laughs> ridiculous. Right, right, I get it. You love Jeff Teague. I get it. <laughs> I was um, said as a, nobody. Jeff Teague doesn't love Jeff. Teague. Nobody <laughs> loves Jeff Teague's game. Everybody just looks at him and be like, that's very Jeff Teague. <laughs> All right, that's a good place to stop here. Um, hit us up at Winning Plays Pod on Twitter. Uh, you can hit Bjax up at Jacks S O B D. Yes, sir. That's um, my BCID, B. That's right. I forgot about that. Um, you can get him on email there, too, at bc.edu. Um, <laughs> you could get Ryan at David nope. Grant on Twitter. No one's allowed to follow me. I'm no, full. don't follow him. He's I'm full. Ask him questions. Nobody can follow me. He's actively uh, blocking people to get his follower countdown. I am done. Um, and, yeah, we'll be back with you guys probably a couple more times this week. Um, Rich and Mike will be back for uh, a cameo, I think, on Tuesday. And then we'll try to do one more pod later in the week as the full uh, resolution to the Hayward and science training situation the whole offseason comes about. Because what do you know? Uh, training camp, what, a week away, guys? What, is it like December 2nd or something? Are we even going to be here in a week? I mean, that's we've, that's a bigger question. Um, <laughs> that we'll take for the next podcast. But um, All right. Thanks for coming aboard, guys. And we will talk to everyone next week. Happy Thanksgiving.